This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. And I probably should uh, preface that in bold face, bold font, everything, at GatorDave underscore SEC because there is a fake account out there pretending to be me spreading some uh, pretty false accusations of uh, what our topic tonight. Uh, but, uh, yeah, don't, don't, don't follow that. Make sure uh, the Twitter handle is at GatorDave underscore SEC. But uh, joining me tonight is Will Salmon from The Athletic. He joins me here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. And, Will, I wish we were talking under different circumstances. and But instead, you know, uh, we have to discuss the decision to transfer from, from Chris Steele. Uh, and thanks for joining me on short notice. Oh, of course. Like you mentioned, it's quite the topic here in Gainesville. Uh, big news that we kind of got wind about, what, late last night, Wednesday night, and that trickled into the morning. And shortly before noon Eastern, Chris Steele was in the transfer portal um, with the intention, as far as we know, to, to leave Florida. Yeah, like you said, uh, you know, I, I got a hold of you Wednesday night and we tried to figure out what was right, what was wrong. There were so many rumors out there that uh, and that's kind of kind of why it took some time, you know, and we wanted to make sure that, that we had everything right. And uh, we look and there were some you know connections and then we'll get into uh, the Gainesville Sun and, and what they reported because Zach Abelverde is you know, kind of very close to he, edited the Chris Steele commitment video. We're really kind of close to that situation from that perspective. So, of course, um, you know, some people want to say it's slanted uh, that way, but uh, Zach does Zach does a good job at, at what he does. Uh, but, you know, before we get there, guys, remember you can find Gators Breakdown at newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the past episodes there. Uh, also, catch the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, and Spotify. I'm using those services. Please share, rate, and review the show. So, Will, kind of what we'll – Concentrating on here, here is maybe kind of the, the fallout uh, of Chris Steele's decision to uh, enter the transfer uh, portal there. You know, of course, the last week in Florida football has been one to forget uh, Jalen Jones and his decision uh, to transfer from the University of Florida and the kind of the connection that goes along with this story. Uh, Demarcus Bowman choosing Clemson over Florida late last week as well. Brian Edwards getting arrested uh, for, you know, uh, this reasons that he didn't need to be that's this, this stuff uh needs to stop uh there so that the sexual battery there uh that brian edwards was arrested for uh and now this decision uh by chris Steele and like you said late wednesday night we were getting word of this and and what was going on and 
kind of starts with he asked to be moved from the dorm room with former quarter Florida quarterback Jalen Jones. Um, is there some things that were going on that Chris still didn't necessarily feel comfortable with, uh, according to this, uh, what I have heard and kind of confirming in the report from the Gainesville Sun uh, that he wished to got be removed uh, from the dorm room with Jalen Jones. Uh, and we kind of don't know what happened after that. We know they both played in the spring game. They were around that time. Uh, Jalen Jones and then the report last week of um, uh, the, the dropped uh, allegation or there was an allegation uh, that, you know, some, uh, sexual misconduct uh, with, with two females; those have have been dropped, and uh, there's kind of a that's kind of kind of where the connection goes, uh, and going from from Steele uh, to Jalen Jones. So uh, the, the part of it was during the first month of campus, Steele had made his intentions uh, pretty pretty known to the staff that he didn't necessarily like being uh, around Jalen Jones, wasn't comfortable uh, rooming with him, uh, and kind of just maybe spiraled from there. Will? Yeah, definitely. Um... I think it's important to note a couple of key questions remain unanswered in the whole situation. And I think sort of chief among them includes the situation particularly and specifically about Jalen Jones, because I think a key question that has been unanswered is when did the staff and especially Dan Mullen know that Jalen Jones had these issues because the allegations and the report was made before he played in the spring game. So I know people will say, okay, that's just a practice game or whatever, but he was still representing Florida, still a big time um, event for the university. So he was still a representative of the school in that way. And so did the staff was, how much was the staff aware even to that point? Because if you go back and look, um, you know, there, there wasn't anything out there, uh, publicly at least, um, about Jalen Jones' situation. So who knows? Um, I, I think that that information is critical in sort of assessing the validity of some of the reports out there, including what Chris Steele said or didn't say um, to whichever member on staff that he made those concerns um, that he brought about those concerns too. That who did he bring those concerns to is a, is a question in and of itself. Was it Dan Mullen? Was it a staffer? How seriously were they taken? Uh, what was the chain of command in perhaps getting those, getting that request uh, to move the door, move from where he was living with Jalen Jones to somewhere else? Where was that request on the cheat on on the command? to Dan Mullen, if it wasn't Dan Mullen himself, who was the first one to sort of hear hear those words from Chris Steele. So a lot of questions remain to be answered. I'm not sure if we will get those answers in the coming days, but hopefully we do. Hopefully there is some light to that because I think that before anybody sort of makes uh, some blanket statements on how things were handled, I think some additional context is necessary uh, from all sides, to be quite frank, because I think it's a combination of a lot of things or at least a couple of things and not necessarily just one thing. I think the fact that Chris Steele was actually named in the report that became public is probably something that if I'm part of Chris Steele's family, that's rubbing me the wrong way because he had no wrongdoings according to the report and he was just a witness in it. But a lot of people on social media have and already did make some incorrect 
judgments and made some leaps and conclusions based on just his name appearing alone in that report. So I can totally understand that peeving um, Chris Steele and his family members if that was the case. I totally would understand that. So I feel like a couple of those things could be could lead to that to that combination where you just feel like you're not being taken too seriously or as seriously as you should be. Yeah, I don't know when we'll get clarity on this and how much clarity uh, we'll get. You know, the questions you raised are are, are valid, and it's the the part was you know Chris Steele when he basically wanted to move. There was no plan to move Steele until the summer, according to to the sources Zach Alberti uh, put in a Gainesville.com article, and that did upset Steele uh, and, and and his parents uh, there. And I, I can understand that. You know, he's at college <laughs> all the way across country. Uh, and, you know, you were kind of trusting these coaches to, to be uh, the, the, the figures there to, to kind of take care of your, of your son far away. And, you know, if those, if those questions were, uh, if those concerns from Steele um, were kind of given to the staff and from after the, after that point, Nothing was done, and then, of course, a couple weeks later, the the Jalen Jones stuff happens, and uh, maybe that was their worry. Maybe that was the fear. Maybe that was what Chris Steele tried to to, to get away from, and as you said, it's mentioned in the report, and of course, there's going to be some some guilty by association there that probably isn't fair uh, there. So, yeah, that, that might be... Uh, I know we're saying might. There's a lot of uh, assumptions and not a, not a lot of facts out there, but kind of maybe that's part of the fallout of, of this. Is not a lot of clarity uh, in this situation, but it does it does look like. And if I'm talking from people I know too, that the, the the concerns were raised. But as you said, well, we don't know how serious they were taken. Should they have been taken more serious? Uh, in hindsight, it definitely looks that way. Uh, we, 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 given what has happened, uh, but you know, maybe maybe there's blame to go all the way around. Don't really know that part yet. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, and I think you can make sort of like the, a statement saying that this is an example of a lack of information sort of affecting a lot of people's characters in a lot of different ways. Um, Particularly with even Dan Mullen, you know, I kind of find it a little bit hard to believe that, okay, this is your top rated recruit david and he's telling he's supposedly telling members of your staff if not you yourself that hey i am uncomfortable living Mm -hmm. where i am living and i need and i need and i have a desire and a wish to be removed from this place and in a safer location for myself i have a very hard time believing that a head coach of an sec program here hears that from his top recruit um, the highest rated player on his team even, and doesn't do anything about it. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very eager and interested to learn um, Dan Mullen's side of the situation, or at least his perspective. I hate to say side because I don't want to say they're against each other or anything like that, yeah. but I would appreciate his perspective. I don't know if we're ever going to quite get it, uh, but it, it, that's just worth mentioning just because I, I don't know. I, I just, that part to me, that's where it's, I kind of get a little bit hung up on because here you have, obviously it's a, it's a dire situation where clearly Dan Mullen did not want to lose him. So why wouldn't there be an action? Why wouldn't he be taken seriously? That, that to me is interesting. I mean, obviously I'm not trying to say they're, they're above, 
anybody on the staff is above making a mistake or anything like that. Mistakes happen, and mistakes happen to good people. As yeah, well. and but I just a mistake of that magnitude for me, yeah. considering all the factors. Um, I don't know. It's just hard. It's it's hard to wrap your head around how that could happen. Yeah, I agree. And some people were, you know, on social media were saying, you know, it, it just doesn't happen on a whim. It's in the middle of a semester. You can't just go to another dorm. I'm kind of in that thought uh, as well. With, I mean, come on, we we know what happens uh, around football programs. If your top signee wants to <laughs> get out of a dorm room, I'm sure there's a way. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm sure there's a way to, to figure that out. But another aspect of this is maybe it kind of was too little too late with him uh, and, and his family with the aspect of Jalen Jones has already made his intentions known that he's not going to be at the university of Florida and he's not going to be around. So if, if you didn't want to be around Jalen Jones, well, he's not going to be at the university of Florida. So why in the last couple of days has it now come out that you also don't want to be part of the university of Florida when it looked like the issue that, you had is now no longer uh, on campus. So what I'm thinking was, you know, kind of just an assumption here, it maybe, maybe the damage was done and there was no way to fix it, especially coming from the, the, the parent side and, and being that far away. I, I keep going back to that, uh, being all the way across country. And once one thing happens, you know, maybe it kind of just sets the, the light bulb off and, you know, you kind of have to kind of start taking care of your own at that point. Definitely. And it's worth pointing out also that Chris Steele himself quote tweeted Zach's report. Yeah. Um, and so that will lead you to think that he is stand, standing by what is included in that report. Also, Chris Steele's father went to Twitter and made a tweet regarding the fact that somebody's last name is pretty valuable. And once that gets brought up and mentioned in certain contexts that are unfavorable for that person, things get remembered. And that's unfortunate. And that becomes part of your story long after, you know, years after it happens, it stays with you, that type of stuff. And it's unfortunate. Uh, those are but those are two things that I think are worth pointing out. Because in spite of the fact that people like me have been unsuccessful with getting a Chris Steele and or his father to go on the record and talk a little bit about the issues. They are dropping some hints here and there on social media and publicly um, that would lead you to sort of put things together as far as what their uh, perspective includes. Yeah, definitely agree uh, with that point uh, as well. And I think part of the, uh, the fallout looking at this uh, as well, you know, fair or, or unfair is go going to be, uh, at least on the surface, a, a bad look uh, on the staff from around the nation. If this is the way that the story is going to be proposed, and there's going to be some, there's going to be some negative recruiting that's going on around, uh, around the sec and uh, around, around the country, you know, different opposing coaches are going to spin this and say, why would you want to go to Florida when, when, when things like this are happening? And that, that, that's probably the, the biggest, fallout uh, of this right now until everything gets sorted out till everything gets cleared is, you know, to me, recruiting just become a little bit harder uh, for this coaching staff. And, you know, maybe um, I'm not, not on field coaching so much, but maybe the support staff, uh, there probably needs to be a, a, a fix there. We know some behind the scenes moves are happening. Kewan Ratliff just got hired and, uh, you know, with Otis Yelverton and everything that happened around that. So there's some, there's kind of some already issues, kind of a little bit of issues are, are already there. But now I think this, at least 
going out on the recruiting trail, this is going to be a hot topic. There's going to be a lot of questions asked. You got parents of a, as you just mentioned, you know, going out on Twitter and putting kind of putting stuff out there that, you know, other parents are, are going to see and have to maybe even think about now when they are, are looking at the University of Florida. Definitely. And, and we live in an age where, you know, information comes out slowly, but it's the information that tends to come out the quickest is what's, what's almost taken as truth no matter what, unfortunately. And so I think also the fact that the report that came out, the immediacy of it matters because I was talking to a uh, Florida signee just today around kind of the same time. And he had brought up, oh, hey, you know, the coaching staff, um, maybe they should have acted sooner based on what I just read. And it's like kind of funny because he was citing something that happened just on his Twitter feed. And then obviously he made some calls and got more filled in as the day went on, as did I. But that's what a lot of people go off of. And that and that's how that works. And that's how uh, a part of the reason why negative recruiting is so successful, because you could take something and make it larger uh, than what it is. I'm not trying to make anything light of what happened or didn't happen here at Florida, but just broadly speaking, that's what happens. And it's not like Florida didn't have other examples where you could negatively recruit. I mean, they just had a kid from uh, Lakeland, Florida go to Clemson. And so a potential recruiter from any other SEC school or Florida State for that matter can point to that and say, hey, they can't even get a kid from their pipeline school uh, to, to commit to them and they lose him to Clemson. And those are also things that get brought up in those conversations uh, with kids. Uh, fair or unfair, like you said, David, those things do exist. So for a staff that has been criticized about the lack of an ability to reel in high profile kids, this doesn't make anything easier. And that talent gap between Florida and and the, the SEC elites, such as Georgia and Alabama, only widens, of course. And when you're not recruiting at a high level, you can't afford for that to widen like that. Yeah, and part of this is that I don't want to make it sound like it's all on the player side or, or Chris Steele's side, but you know, with the article that was released, that's one angle of it, and that's been out there. And like we said, we haven't necessarily heard, we haven't heard from the coaching staff and what they think about this. So, well, I mean, it, it, it's we can't think for the coaches. We can't put out there for the coaches. There's a thought out there that maybe Steele was homesick. Maybe he just didn't want to be around uh, the University of Florida. Um, it, you know, it, it, it's hard at this moment. You know, and in uh, what we're looking at in, in this whole story, to 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 find the other side for, from the from the coach's angle, and not necessarily make it look like you know they're the bad guys here. Yeah, um, just like the old adage. I mean, it's probably a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, it may even be a bigger issue than all that that, that we even know. For for all yeah. we know, uh, the, there those are all possibilities. And like you mentioned, we can only sort of go by what is presently out there or what has been reported um, or what we are, we ourselves have heard and can pass along. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's at the end of the day, there's still no two ways about the fact that of how devastating of a loss this is for Florida's program. That, that, that much is undeniable regardless of how it happened. The end result of the close on a team devoid of five stars for the closest thing you have to a five star to leave the program um, not even before he ever even plays in a game. I mean, that just underscores the the talent um, disparity between UF and, and the other powers. And we're also talking about a Florida program that has lost a big time signee 
now three straight cycles in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, now the Robinson deal was uh, a separate issue altogether, uh, but you also have Watkins from last year. And it's funny because you mentioned how much of an abysmal week or period this has been for Florida. You know, last year they had that period as well where, you know, we had frying pans and guns and Justin Watkins and things got really hairy uh, during that time period. So I guess all that to say that these things do happen, but in, you know, the, the recency bias suggests that this is, uh, it's easy to lump it all together and say, okay, this is getting really bad because taken one by one, these things are, are all pretty bad. Yeah, and also coming from the fan side uh, of me, of course, everybody knows this podcast. I'm a Gator fan first. I still fully support uh, Dan Mullen uh, and what it goes right now and you know, what he's doing uh, for the program. I don't want to necessarily make it look like uh, you know, there's no support for, for for the head coach at the University of Florida. You know, this is just it, it might just be one mistake or it may not be one mistake. We'll see uh, when we hear for, for, from the coach himself, and that's kind of uh, where it plays out. But I still believe you know he's the right guy for the job. He's going to get it done uh, his way. I don't necessarily – Think you know is uh, a mistake in bringing these certain players uh, on on uh, on on the on the roster, and you know we'll kind of see with the rest of the class when they when they get on board uh, here. But I still believe Dan Mullen cares about his players. I don't think this is the kind of blanket excuse out there that oh he they, they, he's lying to his players just to get them on campus or overlooking some things to bring these guys in. Uh, it it honestly right now just to me is. And it's just an unfortunate situation. Yeah, I think part of it is a little bit unfair when you sit, when you take a lot of things and you add them up together and try to make something out of things that may not necessarily connect and fit together as a particular puzzle. Now, don't get me wrong. Obviously, all of it falls, falls under the umbrella of Florida football, which is ultimately in the hands of Dan Mullen. But to take, for example, Bryce Langston's uh, decommitment um, shortly after – Chris Steele's announced, you know, the, entering the transfer portal. Now, those two things, certainly not all of this happens like uh, separately, but those two things now, are those two things related or is that just coincidental, um, sort of like a when it rains at poor situation for Florida? I would lean toward the latter in that situation. Um, now, you, you can say to yourself, okay, well, you had the Jalen Jones situation and Brian Edwards' arrest was somewhat similar where it, it involves uh, some uh, ugly allegations regarding the mis- mistreatment of a woman. So those two things are similar. Um, but again, it's two separate people. It is two separate people making mistakes. So it's, it's hard. It really is hard to kind of lump that all together and say, okay, this is, this is a dumpster fire now um, because it, all these things are happening at once. And that's why I mentioned what happened last year because all of that sort of trickled out around the same time, around like a two or three week period where things did get very strange in a hurry. Um, and, and there were a lot of questions about whether Dan, what Dan Mullen's level of sort of uh, discipline was or will be at Florida. And all those were fair questions as they are still now. And, and all that to say that it is a fair question on the character of kids that are brought into the program uh, because maybe there was a reason why certain schools were not after them. And maybe they, maybe that made them a little bit accessible uh, to the Gators. And that is a valid point. But I will say though, that a lot of that is, I don't, 
a lot of that has not been factual where we don't know for sure what the hangups are with some of the kids that people are spewing out there um, on social media as potential rumors. So again, it's another one of those situations where we're going to have to ride it out and see and then assess, okay, this is how recruiting has been these last two cycles under Dan Mullen and what can we make of this and, and where are we at right now? And another thing, Will, is it is off the field, you know, not really nothing to do with recruiting and, and all that stuff, but it is coming, you know, two years after a big credit card scandal that the University of Florida had under the previous regime and Jim McElwain. And after such a good, you know, we had the Taybang incident last year uh, under Dan Mullen, but there wasn't a lot of off field issues uh, there. You had CC Jefferson miss some games toward the beginning of the season that kind of caught some people's eye and Brad Stewart throughout the season, but there wasn't a lot of off field issues there. And a lot of fans were thinking, okay, we're turning the corner here and then in the last week or so you have all these off the field issues and it's like oh no is this is it here we go again yeah it's funny because i had a commenter on one of my stories at the athletic ask me wow you know what what's going on lately is there is there somebody working behind the scenes with the florida players because nobody's getting in trouble and everything looks so great as far as discipline goes and we don't seem to have the issues that have plagued us in the past or the embarrassing off the field fiascos and my response is pretty much what my response is now that that's not exactly um something where you can kind of point to and be like okay Dan Mullen has really uh, changed everything around and everything's in sit top order the same way you may not necessarily, you're not necessarily able to point the finger at him now and look at it as an indictment on, on his leadership. I think a lot of it is a little bit uh, cyclical uh, where this type of stuff happens at college programs, um, especially when you're trying to attract um, talent at a high level at sometimes despite some off the field character flaws or potential risks. And you see that a lot throughout the country um, at top flight programs. One more thing about this, Will, and it's, it's being brought up again because of, uh, of Chris Dill. And I have mentioned numerous times his family being in California and him all the way across country. And hey, look, on, on a lot of Gators Breakdown episodes and the Gator panels that we did and a lot the, the topic of California recruiting uh, was big at this time of year ago. When you have all this talent in the state of Florida, why are you going out there to the state of California uh, to get talent? And then for a while, you know, after Steele committed to USC, it was like, we're really doing, wasting so much time out there. Well, USC has a bad season. Florida kind of was already in good shape. He decommitted from UCLA previously, now decommits to USC. And he comes and he comes to Florida all the way from California. The staff spent so much time out there, spent so many resources out there. Didn't look like it was going to pay off, and you then you get still to to finally commit to the uh, to the Gators. And there were some rumors right before uh, he committed to Florida that maybe South Carolina was in more in it as well. I don't know whether to buy that so much or not, but you know it, it does beg the question. And I, I saw this out there a lot of social media too. You know, could, does this need to be the end uh, of recruiting California? And no, that's taking it to the extreme. You know, I was I was not big on that plan at at this time last year, but this was it was a new staff. They were using the connections of the staff members that they had who had connections to the state of California. They thought they had a leg in there and could get some of these guys to come over. Yes, still was the only one who ended up there, but now with what happened and maybe distance playing a factor in somewhat, once one thing happens, you're not with your parents, something goes wrong. And now it kind of, like I said, maybe sets a lot of stuff in the parents that, Hey, you need to be closer to home. And when, when things happen like this, it does beg the question. Now, you know, how much resources, how much effort do you put into, uh, 
to, to recruiting the state of California when the state of Florida is loaded and kind of you need to be concentrating to your home home, home kids? Definitely a valid question. And I think that it's also worth mentioning that chances are at most, you're probably only getting one kid from California in a cycle. Now you see programs like Ohio State, uh, Texas, whoever, they're going to they're going to get a kid from California. All the, the, your elite teams will do that, particularly Southern California. And Florida should be in that mix where they're able to go to a South Car South California and get a kid. Um, but that's to say, like, OK, you get one kid. So if he doesn't pan out, it looks the way it looks now where people are questioning, is this even worth it for this one guy who is no longer here? And to that, I would have to say probably still yes to some degree. Now, I wouldn't um, advocate for spending resources and time over a kid in Florida mm -hmm. or over a kid that's closer to your footprint. But if you're going out there, as Dan Mullen put it to me once, for a day, I don't necessarily see the harm in that. It's not like Dan Mullen spent a week out there yeah. uh, just for one kid. He went there for a day on some occasions, came right back. Um, it's not like he's spending a vacation time there and just <laughs> on the side or something like that. So it depends on how much time. Now, with that, though, comes the the level of, OK, well, if you're only spending X amount of time there, how well do you do you even know the kid that you're bringing in? And so that's another question of itself. But you also look at the flip side and say, OK, well, Dan Mullen also knew Jalen Jones for a handful of years. There you go. Now we see how that turned out. So. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just not black and white as mo as many people love things to be. It's just never going to be that way, especially when it comes to recruiting. Yeah, I do find it hard to fault coaches when when, when things like this with seventeen year olds go wrong. Uh, you can't you can't you can't see this coming. If you saw this coming, we well, you probably wouldn't have brought him on campus in the first place. A head coach doesn't want to deal with this right now. It's, they don't want to deal with these things. They want to be able to sign these players and they want these players to play. Are they taking some chances? Yes. But every program out there is taking chances uh, on kids. You know, if they want to get desperate, maybe so because they needed to, to kind of turn the tides. I don't know. I can't answer that. Maybe it looks that way at, at some points as we kind of got into earlier, but you can't, you can't, Tell me that you know if a kid's gonna, you know, go in here and and act like a choir boy, or if he's gonna go and and be a college kid. These are these are kids first and foremost. Things are gonna happen. We we we've seen it throughout Florida. Does it seem to happen more at Florida? Uh, maybe I don't know. I mean, this podcast has a moniker. There's never a dull moment in Gator Nation, and, and part of that part of that plays into it. But. It, you can't sit here and tell me, oh, we shouldn't have brought this kid in because uh, of what happened. Uh, it, 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 to me, it just doesn't work that way. No. I mean, clearly there have been some depressing sort of, if you're a Florida fan, results from the California recruiting, even going back to Powell from uh, way back when, mm -hmm. you know, as your, I guess, all-time best recruit and him having sort of uh, that career where he doesn't live up to the hype. So you look back on it and say, okay, it hasn't been fruitful for you, but still you ended up with a, a close to a consensus top 50 kid playing at a position that you desperately needed to fill with an elite amount of talent. And you accomplished that uh, by expanding your brand also. So I don't know. It's to me, I, I don't look at it. Um, it's just too easy to look at it in hindsight and say, yeah, that shouldn't have happened. It's just because at the time it made complete sense and you still, you, I'm telling you, you sign up for that today um, because there's no guarantee that that kid pans out less 
than the kid from South Florida does. Um, now you could argue the fact that, yeah, um, his parents are at a disadvantage and he's away from his family. Flip side is for a lot of kids, they're better off that way, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know? So again, I mean, you take everybody's certain specific situation and you evaluate it from there um, and you re- resist the urge to sort of make blanket statements. And I think you're in a better position to sort of assess what's going right and what's going wrong. Yeah, you know, and I did send out a tweet today that kind of retweet, retweeting Zach's article uh, about about what was going on uh, with this, and you know, yeah, maybe it, it was taken that uh, I was throwing shade at the staff, and it was more as of you know, if still did go for help, and the staff didn't know it, it did nothing about it, you know, then you know if he didn't feel comfortable, then you know maybe they, they should have helped him, but that's the part of if that happened. Uh, so still, as we go back to it, still not a lot of clarity out there. Hopefully this gets resolved uh, pretty fast. I think Dan Mullen has some Gator, uh, Gator gathering stops next week. That might be the first time. I don't know if there'll be a press conference or a, a press release uh, released in the next couple of days or so. You know, If it's a press conference, probably have to be tomorrow uh, on a Friday. Uh, if not, maybe, like I said, some kind of press release. But it may just be next week until we hear, Will, because you know once uh, local media – gather at these gator gatherings the, the, these questions will be brought up definitely and florida fans are pretty savvy enough to ask them in their own <laughs> yeah true yeah in that, in that situation yeah they, they, they get they get the chance to sessions are better than the press conferences uh so yeah no question i wouldn't ex- i honestly i i was told that there was not going to be a statement when it happened on thursday so that would lead me to believe that I'm not expecting much on a Friday either for that matter. Haven't been told that, but no reason to expect it. So yeah, I mean, the next time Dan Mullen may speak publicly may end up being next week on one of his speaking tours. The first one I believe is Wednesday at in Tampa. So that off the top of my head seems to be the next time he would speak publicly. I can't believe I didn't bring this up when we were t- discussing Chris Steele. Hey, we kind of got away from uh, one part about it on the field. Uh, he, he took part in spring, uh, of course, looked to be that, uh, you know, probably number three cornerback. When you look talk the, the outside cornerback spots between C.J. Henderson and Marco Wilson, probably one of the lead backups there uh, as well. Now that kind of goes away, and you'll, you'll be waiting for uh, uh, Jadon Hill to uh, get healthy, uh, Kyrie Elam to come in uh, for summer, and Chester Kimbrough as well. Not necessarily – look, we expected him to play – a good bit this year. Anyway, he took part in spring, uh, really asserted himself as, as a pretty good player, needed needed to grow some, uh, as we saw, but made a good play in the end zone in the spring game to, to break up a touchdown pass. Hey, look, he was going to get some playing time, but now, you know, this is not necessarily an issue for the 2019 season, but what you were looking at for 2020 was Elam and Steele kind of taking over those two outside corner spots with the likelihood that Henderson and Wilson are going to take their talents to the NFL. Yeah, hundred percent. The way I would say it was, this was, this changes the outlook for Florida a little bit because you are in a very, uh, what's the word? Just a, a situation where you're vulnerable um, to what happened to you last year, where you had a Marco Wilson suffer an injury, and then you don't have the depth, and you're forced to play guys some extended snaps that they're not necessarily. Uh, talented enough to carry for for the long haul over the course of a season. And that's how Georgia was able to expose you and frankly beat you uh, was to take advantage of that weakness consistently. 
pretty much every drive uh, for a little while. And so you're again susceptible to that because you are going to be leaning heavily on a on an Elam who didn't enroll early um, and will enroll soon um, and make it to camp. But you are relying on him to be probably a key backup for you because of his just natural ability and talent. But that's not the situation that you wanted to be in because you had Chris Steele and he had the ability to kind of step in, play meaningful snaps and, and make sh- make you take sort of a sigh of relief or a breath when you had a Marco Wilson out there or a CJ Henderson who probably played a lot more snaps than he should have too because that wasn't ideal for CJ Henderson to be on the field all those snaps that he played last year. Ideally, you want that guy to take a little bit of a break. I mean, he's your best defensive player. You can't have him uh, – I mean, I'm not trying to say that he doesn't have the energy. He clearly does, but you can't have him out there the, the amount of time that he was out there. I mean, the game is just too fast nowadays for that. It's too physical. Uh, that's going to come back to bite you uh, one way or the other. The guy's not Superman as much as sometimes he looks like he is. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, they're, they're not, it's not a crushing loss for this year on the field, but it, it's certainly huge next year because, like you said, David, they, they were relying on Chris Steele to be a starter. Um, even if Wilson came back, it probably would have been Wilson and Steele. All right. Well, so before I let you go, let's kind of – we'll uh, we'll do a U-turn and kind of uh, get something. Yesterday, Florida released uh, – and Colorado. Florida and Colorado released that they're going to play each other 2028, 2029. I uh, did a quick little video and gave my thoughts yesterday. But uh, you've been around uh, Scott Strickland and Dan Mullen for, for quite some time at Mississippi State. Uh, and I know fans kind of set themselves up for disappointment uh, a little bit with this, and myself included. We were thinking, hey, look, the Texas game is probably coming. I think we we, we know that one is along the lines. But when when it kind of got around that this probably would be a Pac-12 school, of course, all the – uh, all the targeting went to USC or UCLA or maybe Oregon, maybe Washington, and Colorado was kind of a letdown for for a lot of fans. So, uh, what's your what's your thoughts on the Colorado matchup and uh, what fans uh, not necessarily can expect in in, in a decade or so uh, when these two teams uh, get together? But maybe just the uh, the the kind of overall look of Florida playing Colorado. Hey, it's an improvement. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there, let's start there. Secondly, I was actually in Los Angeles on vacation for a few days. I just got back like yesterday. And so, yeah, I would have gladly signed up 10 years in advance, you know, booked my flight back to USC <laughs> and for a home and home action. That would have been quite cool. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with the fans on that one. But hey, look, you know, it's still an upgrade. Um, yes, uh, Florida plays Florida State every year. And from a scheduling uh, perspective, that can complicate. The, the issue of, okay, how hard were we making this schedule when you're projecting the fact that Florida State's going to going to be relatively strong, um, it, at least was the thinking, um, and will continue to be. You have USF on the horizon as well. So in a lot of ways, you look at it and you say to yourself, okay, like there isn't that much of a need to go outside the state. I mean, you could have scheduled UCF. You don't know where UCF is going to be in 10 years, um, but right now it looks like that their success is uh, something that they can kind of continue for the for at least a couple of years, and we'll, then we'll see where things are at with that program. But there's a lot of reason if you schedule in Miami, if, you, if you're going to have Florida State every year, um, U, USF is on the horizon, uh, UCF may be a possibility. Who knows? I mean, I don't necessarily blame Florida for not leaving the state like that, uh, but it is pretty 
huge, I will say, the fact that they are, uh, just from a, a college football fan standpoint, because that it hadn't happened since 1991 uh, for a true out-of-conference away game. So yep. out of the state. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't include Florida State. So I wanted to make sure I got all of those variables correct. <laughs> Uh, but that hadn't happened. Uh, the Michigan game, of course, was a neutral site. So that hadn't happened since 1991 when they went to Syracuse. And uh, some, some really interesting things happened in that loss for the Gators. Oh, yeah, Will. Never a dull moment, man. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Uh, I guess you, you've covered the team uh, and, and the staff. Was it like this at Mississippi State, too? Uh, not really, actually. <laughs> you know, it wasn't. <laughs> no, not really. I mean, you know, you're not really dealing with like not take anything away from their their recruiting abilities or whatnot. But you're not dealing with the same level of talent. And frankly, you're just not dealing with the level of stakes that a Florida is playing with. I mean, they, they entered this year uh, probably going to be a preseason top 10. And they already had an offensive line that had issues. Now you're now, like I said, you're again in a vulnerable position. Now it's not as bad as it was last year because Wilson's healthy, but man, it's just not good. And that's just on the field. You know, we talked about off the field for quite a while that outlined all those issues. But yeah, I mean, it's just not a good look these days. Yep, and uh, just to add insult to injury, Georgia just got a, yeah, another five-star linebacker in uh, Mikhail Sherman. So, uh, ouch. <laughs> Talk about a team that can afford to lose a five-star. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get them. We'll get them one day. We'll get them one day. All right. Well, hey, man, thanks. Like I said, short notice. Uh, I know we were kind of been in, in contact a good bit in the last 24 hours. I, I can't thank you enough for the uh, for the short notice and, and coming on Gators Breakdown. Oh, anytime. Dave. Thanks for having me on. No, uh, quickly, what you working on for that for the athletic and what can guys uh, go out there, guys and girls out there go out there and find? Well, in the midst of trying to track down uh, the, the what's going on with Chris Steele in that situation, uh, you know, aside from that, I'm working on some things involving Chris Bogle that I'm eager to, to kind of um, showcase uh, sometime next week. I'll have some stuff on the scheduling as well, perhaps a look ahead into the future of what that could look like, why it's happening now, sort of what it means. So those are the two of the things aside from the Chris Steele, which is going to be an everyday thing uh, as far as looking into what happened there. All right, that's Will Salmon from The Athletic. Go and uh, subscribe and uh, check out some great content uh, on the app there, website as well. But uh, some really good content, some unique content uh, there from The Athletic. So that's Will Salmon from The Athletic. Thanks for joining me. And uh, I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. Guys and girls, you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.